What's happening, y'all? Welcome to Straight Shooting alongside AJ Riley. I'm Matt Basson. Got a big show, MLB, NFL, Masters. Before we dive into that, got to remind you, like and subscribe wherever you can find us. Be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. We all over the place. All right, AJ, let's get it. Well, well, hold on, Matt. Before, I want to say a nice and hearty welcome back, my Thank man. Thank you. Thank you. Two shows away at that undisclosed location we talked about last mm. week. Don't want to let anybody in too close to, you know, the <laughs> life and all that. But we are glad you're back. I do want to give a shout out to Dylan Bear, who covered for you and did an awesome job helping me get straight shooting episodes nine and ten up. So, Dylan... Thank you very much. But Matt, like you said, we have a huge week starting today. Yep. Opening day in MLB, opening round of the Masters, and a ton of like football and basketball stuff to get to. So, man, let's go. Yeah. Uh, biggest news for me, one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, back on the field. Maybe not where you expected. It's been a while since this man has played a little bit of football, but Terrell Owens, I don't oh know why goodness. he pronounced it that way, but he does. <laughs> Terrell Owens is back to playing football. Uh, he has joined your man, your favorite quarterback, oh. AJ, Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, in the fan-controlled football league. The last time T.O. stepped on a football field, it was for the Bengals in 2010. He caught 72 passes for 983 yards and nine touchdowns. And then he was just gone. And he didn't yeah. want to be gone. He made that quite evident and obvious. He wanted to keep playing. He still wants to keep playing, AJ. He's 48 years old, man. 48 years old. And my yeah. man, like, you've seen the video of him racing Tyreek Hill and mm -hmm. keeping pace with mm -hmm. Tyreek Hill, too. He's a physical specimen. There's no doubt about it. And at 48 years old, to jump into this fan-controlled league now, unfortunate for him, they're saying his quarterback is going to be Johnny Manziel, so he's probably not going to put up the numbers that you would expect uh, Terrell Owens to put up. But my goodness, like I couldn't imagine at 35 trying to play any kind of sport. But my man at 48 years old, and 12 years ago he put up those numbers at 36? Maybe... Look, I, I don't know, man. Maybe he ages backwards like Benjamin Button. There you but go. My goodness, like I couldn't imagine getting on a field and jumping in and being like, "Yep, let's go." Forty-eight years old. I'm almost half of a century old. I I still don't understand why no team has wanted this man as their third or fourth wide receiver over the last decade. Because I'd have taken him in a heartbeat. <laughs> I know maybe. you don't want me calling football plays with the offense that I threw out there the other day, AJ. Yeah, I know. but I would it's love to have To playing wide receiver for my team as the fourth wide receiver, the third wide receiver. I'd be fine with it. Man's going to catch touchdowns in the red zone. He's going to get a little bit of separation. Hey, with the Lions, we had Kenny Galladay. That man couldn't get separation to save his life. Still worked out all right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, the it would almost be a gimmick at this point, though, I think. Yeah, who cares? Right. You going to sell tickets? Is it going to sell tickets? It might. It and might it's catch it, and there's no reason why some of those worst teams like a uh, Washington Commanders couldn't mm -hmm. like throw out a bone and be like, hey, T.O., come put your shenanigans on our sideline and see what happens. I just would be like, I would be hesitant. Like the ability is probably slightly diminished a little bit at 48 a years old. 48. I <laughs> but 
I just wonder if kind of the sideshow distraction that he was might have been hesitant, like made teams hesitant to sign him over the last 12 years. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't it's, know. It's definitely a possibility, but he wasn't really a sideshow in his hot time in Buffalo. And I don't remember him being much of a sideshow his last year with the Bengals. Yes, the Cowboys, absolutely. The they Eagles, had they had Ojo Spinkle, though. They didn't need another sideshow. He could kind of sit back and just be T.O. and catch mm-hmm. touchdowns, nine of them. But and I love Ojo Cinco. I thought he was an incredible talent and so much fun and so he much. He was very entertaining. He was. And wasn't the smartest football player, man. You know, we learned that when I was my years working in Boston and when he joined the Patriots, man could not understand the Patriots playbook to save his life, which is yeah. why he didn't do much of anything, which is why most people probably, probably don't even remember that he joined the Patriots. Yeah, but I actually had forgotten until you just definitely said that. an entertaining football player, just like T.O. Uh, little fall off for Owens. If you haven't heard of this league, I don't blame you. Uh, the fan controlled football league is a professional indoor league, it's seven on seven. Uh, the reason it's called fan controlled is because it is fans can call plays online. There's no kickoffs. There's no kicking period. It's a 50 yard field. You start on the 10 yard line, you go 40 yards, you score a touchdown. And when you score a touchdown, you want to get that point after it's one-on-one wide receiver versus defensive back for the PAT. And if you want to watch TO play football again, it starts April 16th. You can watch it on Twitch, NBC, LX and Peacock. All right. All right, now on to the big boys on Sunday. The real football league. So AJ, we had talked the other day about how uh, the Diggs brothers kind of sort of wanted to play together, or at least the defensive Digg brother playing for the Cowboys wanted to play with his brother. Well, he's going to have to go to Buffalo if that's going to happen because Stephon Diggs and the Buffalo Bills have agreed on a four-year extension for $104 million, 70 uh, 70 of which is guaranteed. What is going on with these numbers and wide these receiver, wide baby. receivers, my man? <laughs> like, my goodness. We are investing quarterback, important quarterback dollars in a position that just is not that important. Yes, he is one of the best in the league. I'm not negating that, and I'm glad that he got his bag, and I'm glad that he's getting paid good for him. But to team build with that type of contract on your books, it's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. Like, my goodness, $104 million with 70 of it guaranteed? Holy cow. That's crazy. Crazy money. This is going from a baseball fan, folks. I know. So, <laughs> so yeah, so he is now there. Until 2027, this was an extension, not a brand new contract. He had two years left on his original contract. So now until 2027 for a total of $124 million. And apparently from the talks, both Buffalo and Stephon Diggs want him to retire a bill. So they are planning on keeping him for a while. They just signed Josh Allen till 2028. So you've got your wide receiver quarterback combo all set up. The running game situation, not so hot. Still no. suffering. Could have put some money into finding a running back. Guess that wasn't the case. They wanted to make sure that they continue to add to the ridiculous wide receiver offseason of Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and now Stephon Diggs. Yeah, I don't – I mean, good for them that they have two players locked up till 2027. <laughs> but, I mean, 
how else are you going to build this team with a a salary cap? You got a ton of money wrapped up into a wide receiver and a quarterback. You now have to address and basically bargain shop for a running back, and we saw how well that's gone with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss there. Like, not well. Who are you going to get to catch? Like, you have one receiver, Stephon Diggs, and they have others, right? They had Emmanuel Sanders last year. They had, mm-hmm. you know, Dal- uh, was it Dalton Knox was their tight end. Or, yeah, their tight end. Yeah, their tight end was Knox. Like They had Cole but, Beasley, but I believe he's gone now. Cole Beasley, yeah. So, like, who are you now going to put around Stephon Diggs because you can't throw him the ball every play? I mean, he'd like it. <laughs> sure he would but you're you talking about a guy that has you know in his in his last two years in buffalo 230 catches he ranks top 10 in receptions yards and touchdowns since joining the bills only Devonte and and cooper cup have more catches than stefan diggs in the last two years so he's perfectly fine to have him every pass thrown to him i yeah he is but you're not gonna win that way no. and and truthfully like signing a wide receiver to that contract and having your quarterback locked up as well, you've essentially put a hard end date on your com- competition window. Because at yep. some point, those bills are going to come due. No pun intended. Right? <laughs> and if you don't, no maybe a little bit. But if you don't win it all, like, what was it worth? Uh, a lot of entertainment. A lot, sure, maybe, but you want championships. And entertainment doesn't necessarily equal championships. Ask T.O. about that one. No, very true. But, you know, the Bills have had, you know, quarterback wide receiver connections that didn't win but were very entertaining. The beginning of the 90s, uh, you know, Andre Reid was a heck of a wide receiver. Had a pretty good quarterback thrown to him as well. Went to four Super Bowls, couldn't win any of them. But uh, so Buffalo's kind of used to having a really good quarterback, really good wide receiver, winning a lot of regular season games, a couple playoff games, but never taking the whole thing home. So this is right in the wheelhouse. Yeah, it's just going to be real interesting to see how these contracts age especially for the wide receivers. Cause I mean, it can be a very sharp drop off mm-hmm. when, when father time and Diggs is 28. His bell. Yeah. I mean, he's not old, he's not old, but not old, but 31, 32, they start looking at you a little different as a wide receiver and a running back. Yeah. I, I Quarterbacks just, are fine at 31, 32. Look, I like Stefan Diggs. He plays the wrong position for this kind of money. Yep. The wrong position for this kind of money. All right. Well, the right position for this kind of money is quarterback, correct? (laughs) It is. Well, there's one out there that's uh, been in the news for a while, and he's back in the news for the same stuff that he's been in the news with. Uh, A a district, what we got here, the Harris County District Court Judge. Rabia Sultan Collier, God, because they have found a more difficult judge name to say, <laughs> has ruled that Deshaun Watson must say whether he had sex with 18 massage therapists. He has to do it. He has to talk. I don't know how they're going to know if he's telling the truth. I'm going to walk right up there and lie his ass off and say, no, I did not. But he has to go up there and talk about it, apparently. Well, I mean, in his introductory press conference for the... <laughs> Cleveland Browns when he made, you know, they made that trade for him and then signed him to a ridiculous amount of money as well. He said, I never have treated women disrespectfully and never, you know. by his grandma and. Yeah. Look, you can assume that he's going to do the right thing, but 
let's be honest. You can you can order him to say whether he did or not do what he's accused of doing. Whether or not you get the truth is going to be completely, completely. I almost want to say irrelevant, right? It's almost like it's almost one of those situations where the judge judge is like, "I did my part, check." Right? Mm-hmm. What happens after this? Not my problem. I did my part. I checked the box. I forced him to say whether he did or not. Now, could they put him on a lie detector? Maybe, but are they very reliable? Who knows? No, there's so, a reason they're inadmissible in court. <laughs> they were that reliable, they'd be very much admissible. So I just I just really am wondering, like, what's the end goal with this, right? What was the judge hoping to accomplish? Justice, man. The judge wants justice. Look, you okay. got 22. And I want a million dollars tomorrow, but yeah, it ain't right. going to You got 22 different women who have right. accused Deshaun Watson of sexual misconduct many of which he arranged by contacting them via social media. And so one of the things the judge wants Watson to talk about uh, is any language in his contract with the Texans about massages. Because you figure there'd be something in there about the team providing one or whatever it may be. Look, this man's going through DMs in Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever, and trying to find massage therapists that way. To me, that already sounds guilty. That just, just ain't a good look. Uh, but two grand juries have declined to indict him. Why? Well, it's really hard to prove evidence. <laughs> right. How do you and provide evidence thing, right? for it unless you happen to have done a rape kit at the hospital and they saved DNA? It's really hard to provide any kind of evidence one way or the other. And so it really is a their word versus his. You figure with 22 of them versus one of him, and all their stories are similar, unless all these women knew each other and they decided, hey, let's take this man for his money. Right. You kind of lean towards they're probably telling the truth. Yeah, but again, it's such an unfortunate situation. Like, if if what the the plaintiffs are saying is correct, how unfortunate, first of all, <clears throat> right? But then you take it a step farther to saying, this is very difficult to prove and all it is is going to remain allegations because let's be honest, right? We fast forward a year. There's not going to be any proof. There's not going to be any camera. Uh, Right. And so it's just one of those situations that is incredibly unfortunate. And it's really, really, I'm really surprised that the Browns did what they did given the inconclusive nature of this situation to bring him on board. Now, look, they had their reasons. That first year, that first year is $1 million. They set it up on purpose this way. They knew they were getting into some shady stuff and protected themselves and their quarterback from it. Which, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, it's just so weird and it's so unfortunate. And I look at like this and I'm like, listen, Good for the judge for doing what they did, but at the same time, what what's going to come of this? I like all it is is kicking down the can down the road farther, and it's just creating more of a kind of circus in a way. Because he's got thirty days to comply, right? So he right. he has those thirty days. 
I'm sure that he's working with his lawyers right now to create the statements that he is going to say, you know, to, and you know that he's not admitting anything. Of course not. Why would But if he, I mean, and what happens if he does, right? Self-incrimination? Like what, I mean, all he has to do is plead the fifth at this point, right? He doesn't have to he doesn't have to testify against himself according to the to the constitution. So I don't know I don't know, I'm not a lawyer, right? So I don't want to speak to it, but I do teach history and kind of understand how the constitution was written and it seems like in a situation like this, he could very easily say I plead the fifth. Well, so trying to you read through I mean? this whole thing, the verbiage on this is saying that you know, because he, he can still face civil suits. But as part sure. of these lawsuits, the women's attorneys want Watson to answer written requests for admission about whether he had sex with the 18 therapists who backed him after the first lawsuits against him were, fraught, were filed in March of last year. So is that talking about other therapists who say who are like behind him? That's what it sounds like. Like when you read that, it sounds like there were 18 other therapists that are not part of the accusations that are like no he never did that and or whatever and they're wanting to kind of see if he did have you know relations with them to i think i read that it said they're looking to hope or they're hopefully trying to establish a pattern right so i don't know i mean the message just got messier in my opinion with this whole ruling it's just one of those things that's like, uh, okay, what are we going to do? How is this going to play itself out? Yeah. Well, we're going to find out he got 30 days to comply. So. Yep. All well, right. That's enough, uh, that's enough football. We got opening day right around the corner, AJ. Our Tigers, been busy in the offseason, stayed busy, been busy up until these last few days, uh, thanks to mm, a – it's rough, brilliant rough injury for one of our young stars. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it it, it sucks. You know, Riley Green going down with a fractured foot. Alavilia, Alavilia, Alavila wasting Avila. no time finding a way to fill that hole in the outfield as they acquired outfielder Austin Meadows from the Tampa Bay Rays in exchange for infielder Isaac Paredes and a 2022 competitive round B draft pick. Whatever the, AJ, you know what that means. I don't even know what that means. I see, I see 71st pick. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. So, look, let's take a deep breath because today, baseball is back, baby. Mm -hmm. It is opening day. It is Thursday. It is opening day. MLB is kicking off. Now, the Tigers and the White Sox do not throw their first pitch until Friday, tomorrow. But, man, oh, man, it feels good to have baseball back. And the Tigers, man, this – when I saw the news come down about the Austin Meadows trade, I was like, yes, finally, we have a move that was made. And a good move. And, see, and see, okay, there's that Javi Baez hate again. Huh? Now get out of here. Get out of here. Finally, we have a move that's been made. <laughs> that's what you said. No, a shrewd. Okay, let me back up. And let me say, a shrewd move that has been made. Because truthfully, when Meadows was released from the Pirates and went to Tampa Bay, that was the year that the Tigers should have gotten him. So they're two years late on getting him. 
But at least okay. they got him. And listen, is Meadows the best player in the MLB? No, no. he's not. But he's 26 years old. Mm-hmm. He's cheap. And he still has team control for a couple of years. Yep. Now, what's being missed in this whole situation, Matt? Yes, Riley Green went down with a fracture foot out six to eight weeks. Okay. But they don't make this move, in my opinion, if Derek Hill is also not on the 10 day IL with a hamstring mm-hmm. strain because they had players that were ready Hill, Victor Reyes, Grossman and Badu that could have handled the outfield while green got back. And then they optioned Hill or Reyes, right? right. But Hill's already now down too. Plus you think about it. Meadows is sitting there in Tampa Bay. Isak Paredes, he has no place on this team mm-hmm. at all. Cause his bat is not forcing him into the lineup. He's not going to stick at shortstop. They've tried him at second base. That hasn't worked out. And he's not going to beat out Jamer Candelario at third base. So why not use that young player to get someone like a Meadows? It was a shrewd move. And listen, there is an article that came out by WG Brady on DSN today about how Avila thanked Chris Illich for letting the move happen. (laughs) (sighs) Listen, you read that report and Avila said Chris's statement was, if you and AJ think that you need him, go get him. Oh, they included you. That's nice. Not me, AJ Hinch. But <laughs> whatever. I like that. Just still pissed me off because I'm like, do you not understand? Like, oh, if you think you need him, go get him. Like, thanks for your blessing, but like your dad would have been like, Wait, we sounds, need this that guy. Like go Gary Butt stuff right there. That sounds brilliant. Listening to his coaches and say, "Wait, you need him? We'll get him." Listen. And I appreciate that. So I'm not going to hate on on Illich. Like, I appreciate that he, like, gave his blessing, right, for it to happen. But my goodness, like, what kind of, like, lip service are we doing here, Al? Why do we have to say, you know, I know Chris got raked through the mud with the whole competitive bargaining agreement. So let me make sure that he gets some, you know, good press and say he signed off on it. Of course he signed off on it, you dingbat. Of course he did. It's his team. Maybe they had a conversation first, though, about it. Well, of course they had to have a conversation because they're either paying Isak Paredes like minor league money or they're paying Meadows $4 million. So are you going to spend the boss's money? Like, of course. And knowing the penny pincher that he is, you had to probably be like, hey, just so you know, this is a good thing. And he'd be like, oh, okay. Right? So, I don't know. It, it was a, a brilliant move. I, I love the fact that now we have a left-handed hitting power bat in our in our lineup. It's really kind of catapulted the, the Tigers to, like, near wild card contenders and, like, shadow sleeper, like, maybe could contend for a lucky division win. But, I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting, and baseball is back, and I cannot okay. wait till Friday night. So let's talk Meadows real quick, because I want to know which yeah. Meadows we're getting. Because in 2019, he was an all-star, hit almost yeah. 300, 291, had 33 yeah. home runs. Sure. The COVID-shortened season, we can ignore that. It's, it's, a, it's a rough season to try and play and stay in rhythm. You know, it's just something you can completely ignore. But his strikeout rate was really, really high, about 33%. Then last year, 
His batting average went up from the COVID year to 234. He still had 27 home runs. And his strikeouts dropped back down to about 21%. So a lot lower than the COVID year. So, and he gets he gets bat on the ball a lot. You know, a lot of flyouts to go with his home runs. You know, loves, the, you know, this this era of that launch angle, man. He's, he's part of that era. And so he's launching balls high, sometimes high and far, but usually just high. Yeah, but I mean, we're talking about a career 822 OPS player, mm-hmm. right? On base plus slugging. I love it. Um, which which guy are we getting? I don't really know, right? Because if we take the COVID season out of that, like he's a pretty I mean, his first year in Pittsburgh, he hit 292. It was only in 154 at bats. Uh, looks like he had a shortened 20. Uh, well, no, he got he got traded in or 2018, released in 2018, had 24 at bat. So he hit what was his total? And I'm trying to do this real quick. Yeah, I mean, he I don't know. 2019, he went to 291. That's his all star year. Yeah, that's his all star year. It looks like the batting average, maybe he's kind of gotten into that launch angle happiness, right? That that led to the uptick in strikeouts in 2020. But I mean, drew 59 walks last season. Um, I'm gonna look at his walk rate real quick. Um, because I just think that he's I mean, he's got a he's hitting the ball hard about half the time, right? For his career, he hits a he has a hard hit rate of 42%, which is great. Um he, I mean, he walked ten yeah, percent of the time last year, which was his second highest ever. Percent contact rate. Say what? Seventy-seven percent contact rate. Yeah, I mean, putting the ball in play, and that's yeah. that's the the modus operandi of all baseball hitters, right? Is you put the ball in play, and you see what's going to happen. Him walking at ten percent of the time last year, just a tick down from the COVID season of eleven percent. Like that's that's. I'll take a walk. I mean, that's why his on-base percentage is up so high. But what I also love to see is, I mean, he's a he's an up-the-middle kind of hitter, right? 51.7% hits the ball to cent- the center of the field. 30% pull rate, 17% opposite rate. So, like, he can spray the ball if he needs to, too. And in Comerica, with him having a 30% pull rate and a 51% up-the-middle rate, triples alley is wide open for him in right center field. So, I, I think it's a, a great addition, a great addition. You get Riley Green back, and you've got Green, Badu, Grossman, and Meadows. Yep. Reyes is the doing. odd man out, unless he just, like, lights the world on fire in these next six to eight weeks. But, I mean, it really, really shores up that lineup. I think it's going to be a great thing and an exciting thing because here's the thing, right? We're on the other side of the mountain now. Now the team is only going up. We're making moves to get better. We're signing people to get better. So it's it's we're on the threshold of an exciting time in Detroit Tigers baseball. All right, well, let's talk about that Detroit Tigers baseball. Because the last season, that. the first with A.J. Hinch, yeah. they started the season 9-24. and 24. Not great. Not great. And then they followed it up with a 68 and 61 record the rest of the way. So with how they went from not great mm-hmm. to 
really good with a bunch of players that were still growing, still not that good, dealing with injuries, brand new manager, and now a whole bunch of offseason moves. I know we lost some bullpen positioning uh, these last couple, this last week or so, lost some important bullpen pitchers, but do the Tigers have what they need to steal the AL Central crown? We're looking at an opening day lineup. Yeah. Torkelson's in it, looks like. So, Badu, Grossman, Baez, Candelario, Cabrera, Meadows, Scoop. Scope. Scope. Sorry. Scoop. I always do that one. There's two O's in there, man. Why are you going to call yourself Scope? Torkelson <laughs> and Barnhart. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, do they have what they need? They're close. And I know that's not really an answer. But it's really it's gonna an be- because look, the White Sox are supposed to win this division. They're supposed to. They're you expected know, to win the it. The Twins were running less- it for a couple years, and then last year they really, really, really fell off. Now the Twins right. made a bunch of moves to try to bounce back as well. But the White Sox were supposed to be the ones running this. When you yeah. look at their pitching rotation, you look at their lineup. But the White Sox, look, you added AJ Pollock. Good job. You really didn't do much. You lost one of your best pitchers. You really didn't address that by adding any other really great pitchers to the staff. You you had a yeah. bunch of health issues that you know definitely played a factor in you know lost Lancelin. Yep, he's, lost Lancelin. The injury. Right yeah. So Kopech, yeah, you know innings. You know they lost you know Rondon. The Kopech's on an inning restriction. Yeah. And so here's the thing, right? Like for the Tigers to take the ALC, the AL Central crown, they're going to need a little bit of luck, in my opinion, because, you know, and projections are just projections. We don't want to get like, they're not, they're not gospel, right? But USA Today had the White Sox at 12 games better than the Tigers this year. That's a lot to make up if they're really 12 games better. Mm-hmm. Had them only three games better or worse than the Twins. So I definitely think the Tigers will finish in second place. I don't think the Twins are going to. Yes, they've made some moves, right? They they a they lot of moves. In, a lot of moves. Carlos Correa, Sonny Gray, Gary Sanchez, yeah. Gio Urshela. Yeah. Like they made a bunch of moves in the offseason. But they also like Gary Gio Urshela going to be okay. Gary Sanchez, not a great defensive catcher. And well, don't forget, this is the bomb squad, baby. This is a whole is. hitting machine in Minnesota. Yeah, in 2019, right? So they're they're a few years removed for that. They they also like did they not? They traded Escobar down to the Braves last year, right? Mm-hmm. And so he like he was a very good player for them. They they got rid of Donaldson. Um, got so rid of I don't know, huh? Got rid of Nelson Cruz. Got rid of Nelson Cruz, which was like, I'm so glad that he's in the National League now and not in our division anymore because I cannot stand when he plays the Tigers. I just don't – like, they made a lot of moves, but did they get better? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and of oh, course. I mean, and trading trading away your ace is never. I don't. I don't ever recommend that. No. And and but yes, they got better. They they on paper got better from last year because last year they weren't good. No. But so bad. <laughs> I just I don't know. Like, there's a lot of question marks in Minnesota for me. And will they be competing for the AL Central? No. I 
I really don't think so. The Guardians are the Guardians. They're just going to be – I mean, they signed Jose Ramirez to a five-year contract extension today, which, I mean, good for them. You finally spent some money in free agency three days before the season started. But I just – I don't know if the Twins actually got better. And so do I think that all these names – yeah, these names look great on paper, but are they better than the lineup that the Tigers have constructed? So you think out of the five teams in the Central, the Tigers have improved the most in the offseason? Yeah. I, you, yeah. Can't, you can't say it's going to be the Royals. You obviously don't believe it's the Guardians. You mm-hmm. clearly just said you don't think it's the Twins. And the White Sox didn't do much. They've had a pretty good team, but if they didn't were, do much to add to it. I mean, yeah, but they got – the White Sox did – I mean, they're going to get Jimenez back, which is huge, right? Yeah, they, he only played 55 games last year. He only paid like right, so they're the bigger they're one for me is Luis is it Robert. It's Robert, yeah, it's Robert. Right? yeah Luis so Robert. Both of them coming back is huge, and he's I mean, Robert's phenomenal, right? So good, so good, and so is Jimenez. Five sixty-seven slug while batting 338, an OPS plus of 155. Like, if this cat stays healthy, he's gonna be a MVP. MVP pick for sure, and so the White Sox are the cream of the crop when it comes to the division. But if you were to weigh equally, I think the the moves that the Tigers and the Minnesota Twins made, I would much rather be a Tigers fan right now. And this is no homer bias, right? Because I've, no, I've no, ripped. Why would there be? <laughs> but, but, like, I've ripped them when it was necessary to rip them. I would rather have the moves that the Tigers made than – the twins made because at the trade deadline last year, right? Trading Jose Barrios, getting rid of Escobar, right? Then they trade Donaldson to get Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. And then like they, they signed or they trade for Sonny Gray. Like it just seems like they're kind of operating in a way that's like, Oh, we created this whole, so now we got to fix it. Right. And now we're back and forth where the tigers. And I know, I know, I know that it has been frustrating since 2015 but the, the Tigers literally were like, we need a catcher. We're going to trade for Tucker Barnhart. We need a shortstop. We're going to sign Javi Baez. Oh, our stud, number two overall prospect, Riley Green, just went down with a six- to eight-week foot fracture, and it's probably going to be more like 10 to 12 weeks with the rehab mm-hmm. assignment and all that, right? And also our other, like, serviceable center field prospect in, in Derek Hill has gone down. We're going to go trade a blocked player for – Awesome Meadows. So, like, the moves that the Tigers have made, I mean, it shot them all the way up in the power rankings on MLB.com to, like, number 18, which is which is still third in the AL Central, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a lot of on-paper bias when you see names like Gary Sanchez, Sonny Gray, and all that. Because it's, I mean, I don't know. There was a reason why the Yankees wanted Gary Sanchez out, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I just, my gut tells me, the Tigers are going to sit number two in the AL Central at the end of the season. I hope you're right. I think it's going to be a good battle between them and the Twins. I think the White Sox are still going to be, you know, an eight to eight to ten game, you know, lead in the division yeah. over everybody else. But I like. The it may not get the double digits, to be honest with you, because I mean, if they're already starting to kind of catch the injury bug a little bit, I mean, things could go horribly wrong real quick for the White Sox. Yeah, I mean, health is always, you know. 
Always. Always a factor. You know, assuming everyone stays healthy, I think the White Sox are going to have anywhere from an 8 to 12-game lead on the division. Not guaranteeing it's double digits, but I I'll think – I'll tell you what, though. The Tigers are going to be in first place come Sunday evening because they're about to be 2-1 and one after this, this weekend series. I mean, the White Sox, if their bats ain't hitting, they're in trouble because their pitching staff right now to start the year does not look great. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. They did sign Johnny Cueto to a minor league contract, so we'll see if he breaks up. Oh, I know, big moves, big moves. All right, <clears throat> enough of that big white ball. Okay. Of the small white ball. Yeah, let's it's go to this weekend. 86 Masters uh, starting this Thursday, and the big news that's been percolating all week is that one Eldrick Tiger Woods is going to be playing – God willing, finishing yeah. the Masters because that knee is no joke. And the fact that's, you know, 17 months, 15, 17 months after that horrific crash in California, the fact that he kept his leg, is able to come back and is returning to professional golf this week is just incredible. My yeah. big thing is you stubborn, prideful fool. Let's just give the man a segue. Just let him roll his ass down the course so he doesn't have to hurt the knee. He's not in a cart, so he's not sitting. Just give him a segue. But no, Tiger's too prideful for that. I got to walk the course just like everybody else, even though my knee looks like a giant question mark, literally, figuratively, and always. I just love the fact that at the press conference, they're like, Tiger, you don't enter a tournament unless you think you can win. Do you think you can win the Masters this week? And he simply says, I do. Yep. I do. You know, and like just the just the cojones to like it's Tiger. <laughs> it is, and I think that's why we love him. But it's it's one of those situations. It's like I hope he's I hope he's there on Saturday, and I hope that he's there oh, on yeah. Sunday because I I don't want to see him try and push himself beyond the limits of what he's able to do to try for that you know moment. I guess. Mm-hmm. and then hurt himself, and then he's just done. Because I feel like he's like literally towing the edge of a cliff, and the next injury is going to push him over into that abyss. So I don't know. It's going to be – I'm so excited. Like, I'm on spring break this week. I can watch the Masters tomorrow. I can watch the Masters on Friday. I haven't been able to do that in a few years, and I'm just going to like sit back and listen to the fake bird sounds come through my TV – <laughs> and just chill and it's going to be amazing because i know golf is not like extremely popular but there's something special about masters week there's oh, yeah. just something entirely like i don't know i don't know if it's like bygone eras coming into the current day or what but it's just it's incredible i mean it's media incredible. does a fantastic job of playing it up they do for it's sure just, they make it feel the most special out of the majors for sure, because it's it is. The only, it's the only major that continues to be at the same place. Everywhere right. else bounces around. But media, from the music they chose for it to the announcers they choose to talk about it. To Jim Nance going, hello, friends. But And then there's just like, also the, the ridiculous history about it. Jack oh. Nicholas winning his sixth and final at 46 years old. A 21-year-old Tiger Woods in his first professional major lapping the field by 12 strokes mm-hmm. and setting a course record or tournament record at 18 under. There's yep. just 
Tiger's comeback after everything in 2019. And you get to see the young cats now understand what it's like to play with a Tiger crowd and seeing every single one of these young greats crumble under the pressure of playing with a Tiger crowd. There's- Was his Masters really three years ago? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, so, remember, the 2020 Masters. Right, it was in the after- fall. Right. And then 2021, quickly after in April. Man, I swear, this whole week, I thought he was defending champ. No, he's not. Hideki Matsui is. Yes, I know. I and know. Hideki Matsui, I mean, man's an absolute god in Japan now. Right, for sure. That Masters win. And it was a very hard-fought, earned Masters win last year. Uh, it was, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I, so excited for this weekend. I think it's going to be great. I, I'm pumped to see what Tiger can do. And like I said, I hope and I think, as we're going to talk about here in a second, mm-hmm. I definitely think he's there on Saturday, and I definitely think he's there on Sunday. Okay. It would be it would be just like Tiger to be sitting top ten Saturday evening. <laughs> Very much would. You know I mean, what I mean? One of the, you know, one of the beauties of any major is that you are now exempt to always come back and play the majors. And so the fun thing with the masters, one of the things I was talking about with it, you know, with it being so special about it being the same course every time is you get to see older greats that maybe younger generations don't know, like a Freddie couples who won the masters in 1992. It's a long time ago, but if you go back just five, six years ago and look at the leaderboard after 36 holes, Freddie couples is right there. Yeah. So getting to play a course that, you know, and that's the key. And this is one of the reasons Tiger will have a chance to maybe catch Jack because he has he gets to play this course every year. And, and that like, is the key, right? Winning Augusta is more about experience mm-hmm. and being able to keep the ball straight than it is about how far you hit it. You know, the I mean, best after, after they lengthen the course, thanks to Tiger. <laughs> right. But but like the key at Augusta is your iron play and your mm-hmm. ball striking 100% of the time, right? Your ability yep. to hit appropriate lag putts, understanding that you need to take your medicine from 10 yep. feet and lag it from even 10, 15 feet to make sure that you make your par. Like, and, and that comes with experience, knowing that everything breaks towards Ray's Creek, mm-hmm. right? If you're a rookie out there, you may forget where Ray's Creek is and play a hole the wrong way. Yep. And and that is, I, I'm just, I cannot wait until the, it comes on tomorrow and I can just turn the TV on and sit and chill and be like, ah, here we go. All right. So John Rahm is the yep. favorite mm-hmm. at 10 to 1 odds. Right behind him is JT, Justin Thomas, DJ Dustin Johnson, 2020 Masters champion. He has but five missed the cut in 2021. Yes, he did. But he has seven top 10s in his last 13 starts. So he's playing pretty well. He's 16 to 1. Scotty Scheffler, the new number one in golf, is also 16 to 1. Uh, Cameron Smith, the recent PGA champ, also 16 to 1. And then you got Colin Morikawa at 20 to 1. So those are the favorites. Okay. And then, you know, you start dropping off after that a little bit. Um, you know, big stories coming into it. Rory McElroy, if he wins it, he completes the Grand Slam. And while he has six. Top 10 finishes in his last eight Masters. He's also finished 24, 21st or worse in two of his last three as well. So maybe that thought process of completing the Grand Slam gets to in the later stages. Who knows? But he's definitely one to watch. 
Um, if you're looking for Tiger Woods numbers, it's 40 to 1. Not the worst odds. Not, you know, make a little money on that. So not, let's, <laughs> let's play a little game. Okay. Let's do this. We'll compete against each other in the Masters here. Okay. okay. We're going to each pick three players. Gotcha. Two of them can be like obvious choices. One of them needs to be a flyer. Wild card. Okay. Okay. At the end of the week, we'll total up two of their scores to see who scored the lowest. All right. And we'll come up with some kind of bet, right? Like, I don't know if we want to come up with that on the spot or some kind of, you We'll know, figure it out. You know, luckily we record our next show on Sunday after the Masters is done. Yeah. So we'll be, it'll be very fresh in our minds to discuss. It'll be very fresh. Actually, here's what we do. Here's what we do. We bet around the golf on it. That's the natural thing. There we go. Perfect. So the winner of this Masters competition will pay for a round whenever you're in town. Wait, wait, hang on. You mean the win? You mean the loser? The yeah, the loser. The right, winner will get paid. You me the winner has to pay for the round of golf. I'm about to pick three guys you ain't never heard of before. <laughs> much as I love betting, I'm gonna take free golf. Yeah, no. Well, so the winner will be Gets paid free for round by the loser when you right. come to town. All right, that's our bet. So since you came up with this, okay, you pick first. I'm taking JT. You're taking you some of them. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Thomas, man. I mean, uh, I listen. know, I know. You know what? I'm gonna take Kawa. I'll take Morikawa. Morikawa. All right. So, I then am going to take Rory. He's been playing well, and I'm gonna take Rory to complete the Grand Slam. All right. I'm gonna take DJ. Okay. So now we're taking our flyers. Yeah. Okay. So here, so here, let's go from what? What do you want to say? Plus 5,000 count as flyer odds? Whoa. So 50 to 1? Okay. Yeah. 50. Uh, do you want to go higher? You want to go 65 to 1? Go, go 50 to 1. All right. So here are the names that are 50 to 1 Paul okay. Casey, Adam Scott, Russell Henley, Sung J. M., Mark Leishman, Tony Finau. Tommy Fleetwood is 55. Billy Horschel is 55. Siwoo Kim, 65. Justin Rose, 65. Bubba, 65. Patrick Reed, 65. Any of these names tickle your fancy? Give me Tony Finau. You, I knew you was going to grab Tony Finau. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take Max Homa. Okay. Big long shot. 80 to 1. What's Webb Simpson at? Webb Simpson's up yeah. there. He is 100 to 1. That's what I thought. Plus ten. I thought about taking him for a second, but I was like, no, if you're going to give me Fino at whatever his odds are, yeah. I'll take Fino. Because, I mean, he's, you know. Oh, I know. He's a, he's a fun young cat. Three top tens and four starts in, at Augusta. You know, he's been, you know, lousy a little bit this season, but I just, you know, give me Fino, JT, and Rory, and I think I'm going to be playing free golf when we see each other. <laughs> no, we're going to find out. And we're going to find out next sun. Well, next pot, next cast, which will yeah. be coming out on Sunday. Well, yeah. we're recording it on Sunday. So let me get rid of that caption that's in the way. There you <laughs> go. Got to remind you before we sign off to like and subscribe wherever you can find us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, episodes on YouTube, as well as on DetroitSportsNation.com. He's AJ Riley. I'm Matt Basson. Thank you for hanging out with us on Straight Shooting. And we'll see you guys again real soon.